Grace and peace and wisdom is ours through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So there should be put on this slide there, the next slide would be a Franklin gull. Do you see that, that seagull? They migrate from Canada to South America every year. Recently, I heard a parable about a Franklin gull that I, I don't think the pastor that shared it uh, made it up. I think he got it from somewhere else, but it's worth sharing. It's a, a modern-day parable. I'm going to pass it along. There was a, a Franklin gull that was flying south for the winter and got a late start. And so he got caught up in a, an ice storm, and just like an airplane can get grounded by ice on the wings, it grounded this goal because as the moisture in the clouds froze on his wings, he got stiffer and stiffer until he kind of ground down, 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 and barely crash landed into a soft plowed field in sub-freezing weather, and the snow kept falling. How many times a Franklin gull had flown over herds of cattle and done his business and laughed as it landed on the cattle and they could do nothing about it? Along came a cow, it had to go, went right on top of the Franklin goal. And he thought, God's getting even <laughs> for all the times that I've done this to others. And this is my demise, this is my judgment, this is the, end. <laughs> this is the stinky, judgmental end of my life and my sins are coming home to roost. As he lay there frozen and gagging, covered in manure. But then something magical happened. You've ever seen a cow in a sub-freezing day go? What do you see coming up off the manure? Steam, because it's 98 degrees at least coming out, and it thawed out the ice on the wings of the Franklin Gull. And gradually he was able to get up out of the, the mess and fly again. While he was thawing, though, the, the storm that he had been flying in had passed. The sun was coming out. And it saved his life. You can see the parable, right? So the thought is, when God works out your life, it's going to be a stinking mess. No, that's not it. God works, in Romans eight twenty eight. the Apostle Paul said, God works everything for our good. I'll read it to you, it's on the screen. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. That is almost as well known as John 3.16. It is a very comforting passage. And it reminds us of what that parable reminds us of. Is that while it looked like this was a, a judgment of God on his life. It was actually, a, he had thought too soon, right? It was actually his rescue. And that what looked terrible was actually a great blessing. But it came through great struggle and trouble. And we can all relate to the parable of the goal and to this verse because we all have stories. We're sitting here, standing here, being here as people in a senior service who've lived a few years, haven't we? And so we've seen how we were like that goal, thinking things were awful and maybe God was finally judging us by the way it looked. And then we realized he was actually working out a great plan in grace for us. We've also rejoiced as believers in the stories of the Bible like we heard about Joseph, haven't we? How God 
let jo- Joseph was given a dream that he was going to be ruler and all of his family would bow down to him, but he had no idea that it was a 20-year suffering route that would get him there, right? But we see it in the pages of Scripture worked out and we rejoice. But Abraham and Sarah have a similar story. In their late years, after childbearing years, they're told they're going to have a baby. You'd think it'd come quickly, right? And actually, it's 25 years of waiting. And their saga is there in the same book that Joseph's life is in, in Genesis. Moses had the same thing. Had an inkling that he was given special treatment in Egypt to be in the king's house, the Pharaoh's house, so that he could be a deliverer of Israel. But when he went to try to do it, God gave him a 40-year delay, remember? And he learned to trust in God all along the way. In the stories of Exodus and Numbers, you can see it there. David, too, was anointed as a young man to be king, but ran for his life from the wicked king above him, Saul, for 15 years and went through much suffering before he arose to the throne. And it was amazing circumstances that led him to the throne, even being the best friend of the heir that lost the kingdom when his dad lost it, Jonathan, right? So you see these stories where Romans eight twenty eight is true for these Old Testament saints. You see it in your life. And you, you do believe, and you've told others, during COVID, where we are worldwide going through a, a pandemic, during other problems of our lives, we know that God is working for the good of those who love Him. And we say it with some experience that we have, that He's worked out things in our life on earth, too. But we know that in the context of life, it will not always be that we see how he worked it out. We, don't, we will not always be like Joseph who said, I see now that God was using my troubles to raise me up to save many lives on earth. We know that according to what we had thought and hoped would be the evidence that God is working it out according to our good, that it would be we had thought it would be some kind of visible deliverance in this life, and yet we know that often it's not. Right? COVID kills. Cancer takes people away. Heart disease is deadly. The number one killer. Uh, car wrecks and trouble and sorrow and and uh, changes through the election do affect economies in ways that may never return to what they're supposed to, were once, we thought they were supposed to be, or once were, or something that we hoped they would become. Things don't always turn out the way we plan. So Romans 8.28 does not, it cannot mean that what God is up to is writing a story where in your earthly life, you end up with your ship coming in. The way you think, right? Because if and you've learned that too as Christians who have grown to live through a lot of things and a lot you've lost a lot of people that you dearly love. In spending this week meditating on this text, I've thought about this at, at the age I, I'm just barely in your club. I brag about barely. If it's fifty-five and older service, I'm fifty-seven. But I got here early. I had a heart attack at 43. I know more about meds of heart patients than some of you. And usually that's a geriatric conversation, right? So I'm in the club. 
Here's what I've thought of recently in meditating on this text. I think I'm at the point in my life that from the close, if, if I drew a circle around the people that I know and love and trust the most, more of them are in heaven than on earth. And I bet it's that way for you too. Where there was a time when you were younger that they were on earth and not in heaven. But more of the people that you love and trust in this inner circle have passed on to glory. I remember uh, some of you were here, have been here long enough, you know Pastor Harold Johnny, dear, godly, saint, and wise Christian. And as one by one his close friends passed to glory with tears in his eyes and a lump in his throat, he said, there's not many left that are my kindred spirit, Don. Romans 8, 28, if it means it's working out in this life on earth, is woefully short, isn't it? The good news is, what God is up to is not just about this life. He certainly is a God who mercifully, graciously works things out for our good on, in this life. Many thousands of times over in ways we don't even know about. But it's still not the big thing. The big thing is something deeper and something bigger. And now, Molly, this is why I call Romans 829 the stepchild because it's a stepchild in the hearts of Christians because we don't even know the verse we know Romans 828 we've memorized it we'll quote it we'll hang on to it but Romans 829 is the same inspired scripture as Romans 828 it's in a context the whole chapter is about suffering especially the second half and it, we do well to make Romans 8 16 to 39 a best friend of ours because it teaches us wisdom about suffering and it, it cleanses our heart of the silly Franklin Gull's idea that God must be punishing him and it teaches us what he's up to. So I hope my prayer for you that came to be with me and anybody who'd listened to this recorded sermon is that you would no longer say, I don't know what God is up to. You don't know what God is up to on the shallower level of how he's going to work out COVID in your personal family's life or your, you know, the world. But that's not, a, that's not a very deep question anyway. The deeper question is, what's he really trying to accomplish? Well, God doesn't try to accomplish anything. He just does it. <laughs> we are the ones that try to accomplish things. So Romans 8.29 says what he's up to. For those, whenever you see the word for, that's connecting it to the verse before it. For God works it out for your good. For those God foreknew, when did God know you? Before eternity, I mean in eternity before the world began. For those he foreknew, he predestined. Now anytime you see predestined in the Bible, you think he predestined me to become a Christian and be saved, right? Exactly right. However, that's not what he's saying here. It's it's inside of that egg. It's the yolk. He says, for those he foreknew, he predestined. Why don't you read this with me? To be conformed to the image of his son. For a reason. The intended purpose that. That he might be the firstborn among what? Many brothers and sisters. What's God up to by crushing our idols? 
if the election didn't go your way or if COVID changed your economy or stole your job or took someone you dearly love and trust to heaven? And what is he doing if you, if you lose a child or you have a car wreck? And what's he doing if you have a heart attack? And what's he doing by allowing trouble, by ice storms and cow manure when life stinks? And I'll tell you, more often than I want to admit, I have said like the seagull, this stinks and God, you're the cause. And you must either be getting even or you're not paying attention or I wonder if you're really there. I have those same deep struggles. That's why the word of God is there for me and for you. So what's he up to? Let's talk about this. It's transformation and infiltration. Those are the two fancy shun words I want you to take home. Transformation. You were born dark in sin. And God, through His Holy Spirit and His Word, has brought you to faith in Jesus. And you are enamored and overjoyed with the selfless, perfect life and the innocent death and the resurrection that He won for you. You are so glad that stinking sinner that you are, that you're redeemed, that you're saved, that you're loved. That message of salvation that redeems you also restores you to what God always wanted you to be, which means you have to be transformed from what you were born to what He wants you to be. And God is patient and gracious and loving. For, it, for a moment, take Joseph, Old Testament. Little nose in the air, teenage boy. I had two dreams. God told me that the meaning of the dream is all y'all are going to bow down to me. You, you hear the cockiness? Yeah. Next day, second dream was the second dream. Then he said it again. So much so that his dad goes, are your mother and dad going to bow down to you too? Yep. But God needed to change him into being that selfless. Because he's the, as a young teenager, he's the kind of guy that would get even, right? He kind of tattled on his brothers a lot, Remember? But God humbled him and broke him and crushed his idols and made him hopeless and caused him to be betrayed and sold, betrayed, lied about, forgotten. All the sins, social and emotional sins that would wreck a person and make them bitter, right? He crushed his idols. But it, the one thing that stayed for Joseph was, God is gracious to me. Romans eight twenty eight. he's working things out for good. He loves me and he loves people. And so what remained after the purging and the purifying process was a man who sounds like Jesus and he forgives like Jesus and he looks like Jesus, right? And he acts like Jesus. And so in the Old Testament, all his brothers and sisters and his mother and dad get a picture of what Christ is like by, they, they, killed, they wanted to put him to death, they sold him into slavery, they got rid of him and he comes back to save them and bring them to be with him in grace and mercy, a picture of Christ, right? infiltration. Transformation, infiltration. Okay, what's he up to in your life? Seagull. Transformation, infiltration. But he has to destroy your idols. Your idol of a perfect family, your idol of a perfect church, your idol of a perfect sermon for the preacher, your idol of a perfect children, your idol of, of a perfect car, right? One of our 
members in one of our churches recently, beautiful car, washed it every Saturday, parked out in front of a, his work. Some crazy nut comes and just plows it and totals it. There goes the idol. You say, well, Christians have to have that. Yeah. The judgment of God to purge away this, to make us into the image of Christ, begins with the household of God, says it in the Bible. Why? To make you like Jesus. Well, what was Jesus like? We can say a lot of things, right? But let's, let's just boil it down real fast. Trusting the Father perfectly. That was Adam and Eve's root sin. It wasn't eating something. It was not trusting. The devil came and said, you can't trust God. He knows that you'll be like him. He doesn't, you, you should doubt his love. So they did. And that's why they ate the fruit. That eating the fruit was a symptom of no trust. It's the root sin. We don't trust God. Jesus always trusted God, even when it was really hard. In fact, the writer of the Hebrews says he learned obedience through the hard things that he went to. He learned to trust God to the nth degree. He was pooped on 20 times over as God's seagull, and he still trusted God. He was made to last to the worst of suffering at the hands of wicked men, and he trusted God. So much so that he trusting God said, why, why, why have you forsaken me? He said, I trust you. Right? See, you. See what he's saying? This is the guy that if you saw my devotion this morning, it said to people, if you believe, right? And so he believes, and yet God is dumping on him. But he trusted God. Trusting God. Secondly, completely sacrificial for God and people. Lay, you know, there he is, tired, worn out. More people are brought to him. Continues to heal them. Stays up, right? Feeds the hungry, raises the dead, moving from one to another. Matthew 8 and 9 is just chucked full. He's moving here, does this, move here, does this. They keep bringing people. He's serving till he, he's tired in the boat. And then he calms the storm and just self-sacrificing. Thousands of, of, of examples, John said, but he couldn't even write about them all in the last verse of the Gospel of John. Jesus self-sacrificed, laid it on the line to the very end. Greater love has no one than this. We read it, lay down his life for his friends. Trusting God, sacrificing, and then love. Loving everyone. Absolutely indiscriminate in his love. Loving Pilate, trying to save his soul while Pilate was the one that was going to give the execution orders. Loving the thieves on the cross, the people that Father forgives them, they don't know what they're doing. And everybody in between, all races, all creeds, all, all matters of sin, LGBT, he loves them. He loves all people. He, he loves Democrats, teasing. He loves Republicans, teasing. So he loves everybody perfectly. That's why he came, to die in love. Love one another as I have loved you. Love all people, especially the household of God, he says. Well, what's that God up to? He's, with, with the things that he brings into our life, he's conforming us to the image of his son, to the nth degree of trust, to the nth degree of sacrifice, to the nth degree of love, making you and your story like his so that your story infiltrates the world like Joseph's, Abraham's, Moses, David, Jesus, Apostle Paul, Martin Luther, whoever it is, right? Today's Martin Luther's birthday. Uh, wasn't, uh, he wasn't a better person than any of us. <laughs> He's a great, great saint. He learned to be like Christ. I'll give you one extended reading. I want to read it to you from a letter of, of Luther in memory of his, and it, it supports what we're talking about, how Jesus had made Luther into his image when, Jesus, when Martin Luther learned about Jesus. So 
Though he, uh, he, he nailed his 95 theses in 1517. This letter is to his wife in 1537. Martin Luther traveled a lot. For me, who has to travel a lot right now in the church work, it gives me great comfort. I kind of have a, a feeling of closeness to what Martin Luther had to do because he's writing home a lot to his wife. Mine's just text and cell phone, but his were letters and it's waiting slowly. And by the way, Martin Luther wrote his wife a little bit more than she wrote him. I'll point that out at the end of this reading. So he says, he says to Katie, grace and peace in Christ. You may, have rent, you may have to rent some horses since you borrowed some horses. Uh, you, you lent some horses to uh, the, 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 uh, Frederick the Wise to come get me. She, she got family horses, said to Frederick the Wise, take these with your wagons and your men and go get my husband. He's sick. He says, you may have to rent some horses because they're going to keep them for a while. And, the, and, and then he says, um, yesterday I started home from small called in my prince's own coach. The reason being is I have not been well for three days and for a time until tonight have not been able to void one single drop of water from his bladder is what he means, right? I did not rest or sleep. I could not keep any drink or food in my stomach. So he was nauseous and unable to go. All in all, I have been dead and have commended you together with the children to God, my good Lord, as though I would never see you again. He thought he was going to die. He ended up living another nine years. I felt sorry for you, but contented myself with the grave. That night, many friends prayed so hard for me to God that the tears of the people persuaded the Lord to open my bladder tract. And within two hours, I voided a large amount and felt as though I was born again. <laughs> Can we understand that, 55 and older? <laughs> yeah. Therefore, thank God and let the dear little children, and Mumi and Lenny, those are nicknames for his children, thank the true Father in heaven, for without prayer you would have certainly lost your father. The godly prince has tried everything he could, meaning Frederick, or maybe his brother John, the godly prince has tried everything he could in his power, sending runners, riders, wagons to get some help for me, but it was to no avail. Skill did not help either. God did wonders for me, not people, that night, and he keeps doing it through the intercession of godly people. I am writing you this because I think my precious prince has ordered the bailiff of the region to send you toward me so in case I should die on the way, you could speak to me or see me beforehand on the road. This is, this is no longer necessary, and you may as well stay home since God has helped me so abundantly. I am joyfully looking forward to coming home to you. Today we stay in Gotha. And here's where we know Luther's wife, Katie, did not write him as much as he wrote her. Incidentally, I have written you four times and wonder if anything has arrived. <laughs> I'm going to read that to my Mary because I'm always telling her I talk to her more than she talks to me. Do you see him being made into the image of Christ? Trusting, laying it on the line, loving people, giving God the glory. You see what God's up to in your life? Raise your head, Franklin Gull. Look to the skies. Your Lord is transforming you, and he's infiltrating the world with your story. And the sooner you start talking the faith that you're experiencing inside, the sooner your testimony will affect your family and your friends and everybody who knows you. And they'll read your life like I read Luther's. And that will be God's goal 
that they would read your life and see him. Amen.